Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Primary Care Podcast. It's your boy, Dr. Mark List. Uh, today, we're just doing a quick hitter, not doing a full episode. Uh, uh, no jokes today or anything like that. Uh, sorry, I know, booze, I can hear them through the uh, through the speakers right now um, as you're listening on your phone or in your car or in your other places of uh, where you're listening. Anyways, so uh, we're talking today about the dexamethasone study from today. Uh, this came out of the UK, and this is a very big study. Uh, and it's very well done in the fact that, uh, you know, the United Kingdom is a lot smaller than the United States. And yet, this is a study that they produced uh, looking at dexamethasone treatments, uh, six milligrams per day, PO or IV, versus kind of the standard of care. And this was given for 10 days. And they looked at 2,100 people in the dexamethasone group and 4,300 people in the standard of care group. So these are really big ends uh, for a, a study that was put out pretty rapidly. Uh, and the data was really interesting. Um, we don't have the full data, and this is not peer-reviewed. So I, I want to make this because we've been burned already several different studies um, in the COVID pandemic about uh, preprint, non-peer-reviewed studies. So Take this for a grain of salt. I'm going to leave this up so I can go laugh at myself later when this gets disproven. Uh, but we're going to talk about this. So they looked at patients who got dexamethasone and they stratified them in different cohorts, those that were not on O2, those that were given just nasal cannula O2, and those that were on the ventilator. And they looked at mortality rates of patients that got 10 days of dexamethasone versus standard of care uh, for comparisons. And there was no statistical significance, no benefit in giving dexamethasone to patients not on oxygen. And I think that's a take home for all of us that practice outpatient medicine. Uh, this is not a study that's going to apply to us. And I think that's an important educational piece to patients that this doesn't apply until you are sick enough to go to the hospital and probably need oxygen. So uh, of those that needed oxygen that were on nasal cannula, uh, the mortality was 20%. In the standard of care group, those patients that did not receive dexamethasone but needed oxygen was 25%. So it's a 20% relative risk reduction. Uh, if you do the, uh, you know, the absolute risk reduction, 5%, the number needed to treat is 20. That's, 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 that's really a good number. That's way better than anything we've seen. And this is mortality. This isn't just decreased hospitalization. This isn't just decreased uh, secondary outcomes. This is mortality. And so this is way better than hydroxychloroquine so far. This is better than... Um, this is better than remdesivir so far, but it gets better because ventilated patients, those that are the sickest patients, had a mortality rate of 27% on dexamethasone versus 41% standard of care. And that number needed to treat is a lot more impressive. That's one in eight. So that's, that's, that's a really, really good sign. Now, I think that there are some caveats here that we need to think about. If you look at the remdesivir study specifically, the mortality rate in that study, in the treatment arm, was 13%, which, again, that's a little suspicious to begin with. But in a lot of these studies, we're seeing uh, ventilator ICU deaths in the, you know, in the 25, 30% range. Some of them, in some areas, gosh, it's, it's really high. So I don't want to, I don't want to say that that's, that's unique, that this, that this number is unique. But 41% or 40%, 40 plus percent in the standard of care group was the mortality rate on ventilators. Now, I'm not saying that that's, I'm not saying that that's, uh, a fake number. I'm not saying that's that's falsely elevated or too high, but I think that that's something that it'll be interesting to see if this applies when we think about our mortality rate in the United States on the ventilator. Because again, if you look at the remdesivir study, that was at 13% mortality. So 13% mortality. If there was a standard of care group at 41%, wow, that would look you know even even more amazing. That would that would be that would be phenomenal. So again, I'm I'm going to take this study 
with a grain of salt until we get to see more of it in detail and we actually get to see the full paper and it's been peer-reviewed. Um, we can't take this as gospel that this is some miracle cure, but this is by far the best data we have for hospital for the sickest patients. And if this raises, lowers more, sorry, if this lowers mortality rate, fantastic. It, it, it does not appear that it helps patients not on oxygen. And in this study in the UK, the patients not on oxygen died at 13% and 16% in the study. So I don't know, that, that seems really high you know, for patients that aren't on oxygen, that aren't on ventilators, and yet 13 and 16% mortality rate in the hospital. Um, so I, I know people decompensate fast. I know we're dealing with strokes and blood clots and all the other complications, uh, which steroids are not going to help with any of those things unless they reduce the inflammation enough, reduce the whole body inflammation enough so you don't have the cytokine storm, so you don't develop ARDS, you don't develop organ system failure, et cetera. But that'll be really interesting to see if this if this study applies in and if this is reproducible. So as, as wonderful and as amazing as this study is, and it is something to be optimistic about and be hopeful about, I don't think this is a miracle bullet, a magical cure. I don't think that this is going to apply to many other populations that we're going to see this remarkable benefit when this study is repeated. I will be shocked if we see this big of a reduction with the number needed to treat this 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 small of eight. Uh, I will be shocked on repeat studies. That I, Again, I'm not saying this is an invalid study. I'm not saying that it's not a, a really good piece. This is a great study. Uh, high, high, high end numbers. Uh, this is, this is wonderful. Um, if again, if it turns out to be a good study, um, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't read the details, haven't read the full paper. Give me all the details. Give me all the patient level data. Um, let it be peer reviewed, et cetera. Um, but again, dexamethasone is super cheap, super easy, not going to be in a shortage anytime soon. I get a little, I get a little nervous because I know that a lot of ICUs around the country are already using dexamethasone. They're already using some steroids. They're already using IL-6 inhibitors. Um, for, for, for drugs to reduce, you know, total body inflammation, reduce the, you know, the cytokine storms and a lot of that kind of stuff. So I don't know how much of a saving grace is going to be for, you know, lowering the U.S. mortality by, you know, I don't think it's going to lower it by 12.5%, <laughs> you know, like it did in this study. I don't think that's going to be a, a miracle cure, but, you know, if, if it saves, you know, even if it saves, you know, 8%, if it saves half that, 6%, that's still a lot of lives saved. Um, that's still thousands of lives saved. So again, uh, hopeful, promising, uh, more to come. Patients that ask about it, nope, not going to help, not going not gonna to work, especially uh, like in, in the study, actually, it made patients not on oxygen. Their mortality rate was higher if they weren't on oxygen. So uh, that might be something to tease patients with um, that, or not tease them with, but kind of you know, prod them into not begging for steroids or not begging for anything. And again, we don't know if this applies to the other steroids um, or if this is just dexamethasone specific. I think it's probably a drug class, um, which pause, uh, I guess we will extend this discussion more than just a study. Um, initially, the data out of China and additionally, the data from SARS was that patients were sicker who got steroids. Steroids in the initial data, um, I remember saying, how can we treat this? And people were saying, don't use ibuprofen, don't use steroids, uh, Tylenol only, uh, because people on uh, steroids do worse. And that's data from SARS, that's data from the, the Wuhan data early in China in the outbreak. Um, so don't use steroids. I remember seeing these and hearing this and seeing these Twitter reports and seeing these, uh, these recommendations. Um, and I think, again, this gets back to cross-sectional studies. When you just look at two groups of people and say, oh, this group got X, Y, and Z medicine and their mortality rate was higher. Oh, they must. So this was like the hydroxychloroquine study that showed an increased rate of death in the VA patients. Again, that wasn't randomized. That wasn't set up. That was just looking at who got what medicine and how they did. 
the, you know, the people who are super sick, who are declining rapidly, you know, at the VA got hydroxychloroquine in Wuhan, they got, they got steroids. And basically the books was thrown, the book was, was thrown at them in terms of treatment options. So again, I don't want to put, I don't want to blame the early reports, but I think that's why it's important that RCTs happen, that well-designed studies happen, and that we just don't look at EMR data and say, oh man, there's, you know, we looked at all these medications and their mortality rate was higher. Oh, maybe there's a correlation. Let's not use these medicines. This is a classic case of the quality of the study matters so much. And so again, uh, this looks like a quality study. Uh, it looks like it's, uh, you know, well-matched. It looks like it's, it's well thought out. Um, again, you know, there's, there's, you know, uh, two to one basically in terms of ventilated patients on standard of care. So those are obviously sick patients versus those that got steroids. So again, there's some good matching, at least again, we'll wait and see until we get the full data and it's been peer reviewed, but this looks better than just kind of cross-sectional. Let's look at EMR data and, 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 and data mine for results. So that's all we had today. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, it's a short episode, but again, I just want to talk about this pretty big study because uh, I think there's a lot of value in it and what we do not only as uh, treatment options for inpatients, for those of you who do inpatient, but those of us who deal with outpatient, what this is going to mean with patients asking questions and uh, people who are want to get uh, prophylactic prescriptions, et cetera. And I think that there's really good evidence, at least in this study, to say, yeah, don't do it for outpatient. Just wait till they're super sick. So, okay, that's it for today. Uh, thanks and have a great day.